Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. And so we could apply this uh, really kind of any number of ways. Uh, let's say, for example, we wanted to see where the um, variance might be uh, greater than 5%. We can do that exact same operation again and write another formula uh, where we would do that comparison of the variance against the budget. And we could turn that blue if we wanted to. Uh, there's lots of operations with respect to how and where those conditional and formatting rules uh, would be listed. And if there's any conflicts where we've got two rules that conflict with each other, whatever we set here in our formatting rules manager, uh, whatever is listed first, that's going to take precedent and that's going to go ahead and apply that rule. And that kind of has last say. Okay, let's take a look at a couple of some of the other things that we could do here. Okay, we could, for example, in this particular instance, uh, let's say we've got a listing of our year-end operations, and we want to pick out maybe accounts where are above or below materiality. Okay, well, what we've done is that we have created a conditional formatting rule where it will look at a defined value, in this case, our materiality threshold, and if it is above or below that number, uh, or equal to that number or whatever we choose to, whatever rules we choose to apply here, it can stylize those rules accordingly. 
so here, what this looks like, our cell rule. Okay, if the cell value is less than the value stipulated here in G3, which is 10,000 bucks, go ahead and style this red. And so you can even create little operators here. You know, so I could assess materiality in our business, let's say at uh, $25,000, you know, and use conditional formatting to pull out the things that are going to be of interest. And this is a quick way to be able to apply those rules. All right, a couple other things that we could potentially do with this as well. Data bars and iconography. Okay, in this particular way for our K2 electrical supply sales here, I want to understand the, the size of the population relative to each other and how big something is. Um, the, I can see that these are all six-digit numbers. It's kind of hard to be able to visualize how big something is or how small something is, especially if they're not sorted in correct sequence. What we can do is we can select these range of cells here. Come on over here to our data tab. Sorry, come on over here to our home tab conditional formatting, and then we can go ahead and we can select our data bar, okay? And that'll apply that data bar here. And I'm gonna make it really big so to kind of exaggerate this. The size of the bar will show you how big something is relative to the population. So if you have something so large, like something really big like this, you'll see that data bar actually is the only thing present because literally anything else is way too small. This is uh, 9,999,000,000, so anything else is gonna be a pittance. Uh, but for things that are relatively of the same size, that data bar will show you how big something is. And we can see here clearly uh, there's uh, you know a couple things that are almost all the way to the size. Now from here, what you can also do is then put this into a sort sequence. That'll give you a nice little graph, you know, kind of showing you the relative size of that population to everything else. Now you can also um, do your red, amber, green, or red, white, and blue. Okay. So if we come over here again, back to our home tab, conditional formatting, we have our color scales. And this will also uh, pull and show you some different data as well. I like to think of this mostly as kind of being a heat map, okay? And so from here, from this kind of like a little heat map, uh, we can, um, you know, kind of see, you know, how hot or cold certain things are. We can control uh, this at a very granular level as well. Okay, so from here, from conditional formatting, we can come over here and select manage rules. You'll see there's this option for color scale. And from here, we can adjust how this color scale applies. By default, uh, it's going to a three scale, three color scale, but you could go to a two color scale as well. Uh, and actually, frankly, there's no difference between this and an icon set. So if you wanted to switch between those, you can do those really easily. But for our three color scale here, by default, it's going to go ahead and the lowest value will be the reddest of red. The highest value will be the greenest of green. And then you could either work off a of percentile or, or percent. Um, this is going to be more statistically accurate here. And so the reddest of red will be your lowest thing, but not necessarily zero. Like if you had things that were all a million to 10 million for revenue, your million dollar thing would be red. You know, but if you're like, you know what, that's not really accurate. I would actually prefer it be instead of the lowest value, I want zero to be the reddest of red. Well, you can manually and give it an absolute value if you would so desire. It's really kind of up to you and, and kind of what works, what works best. Okay. So uh, you can adjust these accordingly. And, and these are heat maps at the end of the day. Steve writes in, is lunch at one Eastern or one Central? That is at one uh, central. They told me this, uh, this presentation's in central time. So I've been basing things off of central time here. So hopefully that helps you, Steve. Please let me know if that answers your question. We take it a break here at about 50 minutes or so. Okay. Now we could also, for example, uh, do our iconography. So we can go ahead and select these icons as well. Uh, in this case, you know, we can go ahead and, and create a little icon that will present. Okay. Now, let me show you a little quick trick with respect to Excel. One of the things with respect to um, these icons, you'll notice they're actually in the cell themselves. Um, they're actually in the cell, okay? 
Let me show you a quick trick that I personally like. I think these make these uh, work a little bit better. And let me show you how you can handle it. I personally like to put my conditional formatting. If it's going to be iconography or a data bar, I like to put it in the adjacent cell. So I'm going to show you something real quick here. And what we're going to end up doing is that we are going to create an adjacent column. And what we're going to do here is we're going to go ahead and put in a relative reference to the cell next to it. And uh, we're going to create our icon over here to the right. Okay. There we go. Okay. And what we're going to end up doing here is we're going to select these cells and we're going to do our, I'll show you both ways. I'll show you, for example, over here, let's do our data bar here and we'll put our data bar over here. Now you might be so inclined to select these and for example, turn the cell white. Okay. Uh, as you can see here, not really the best option, you know, turning that cell white in the case of conditional formatting doesn't necessarily get rid of that data. Notice the the value is still present there. It's just now laid over top, okay? It's a little bit better with respect to if we change this and instead of doing um, a data bar, if we instead, for example, did icons, it's a little bit better here. It's a little bit better, but still, you know, it's, it's not the preferred method. So here's a quick tip that I think is pretty nifty. You can use a uh, format rule for text uh, to be able to get this data to populate correctly and, and to actually hide um, the actual text present. Select your text here. Come on up here into our number format options, okay? Uh, number format where it says custom in my case, but it could say accounting format, it could say decimal. You'll see there's a little arrow pointing down. If you click that little arrow pointing down, you'll notice it. you have this option here for custom. And I don't know about you, but forever, I, I never knew what these are for. It always looked like Excel was having a stroke. It, you know, it's like, what the heck could this possibly mean? These are actually formatting rules for how text should be applied uh, and how formatting should be applied inside of Excel. And it basically tells Excel how to format the number if it is positive, if it's negative, if it's zero, if it's text. And if you actually come in here and you change this and you put in three uh, semicolons like this and you hit OK, what this tells Excel is to store the value, but not to display it. It basically says don't display anything. And in the case of conditional formatting, this is a great way of being able to put your data into an adjacent cell here um, where the data is still present, but it is not actually um, being displayed. And personally, I think this makes things look really, really nice. And uh, this is usually what I end up doing. And uh, over here, we can, for example, come over here to our home menu, conditional formatting, manage rules. And uh, we could change this from a data bar. We could instead do icons. Okay. And we can make that really tiny. And, and uh, I just think that looks a heck of a lot nicer. So there's a little quick trick for you in terms of why you might want to consider uh, utilizing uh, that different display method. Alrighty, folks, that brings us to the end of chapter two here, and we're going to go ahead and go into our next chapter, which is going to be chapter three, uh, which we're going to be talking through uh, how we can uh, start to do some more um, stuff with side uh, business intelligence using Microsoft Excel. Okay, and then from there, we're going to take a look at Power BI. Good news is pretty much, I'm not going to say everything I'm going to talk about in this next chapter is going to be applicable in Power BI, but a lot of it is. Uh, so I'm trying to show you in Excel so you get the knowledge for Excel, and then I'm going to try to explain how this will be appropriate inside of Power BI when we get to that particular section. But this knowledge uh, is useful in both sections, specifically Power Query, Power Pivot, and DAX. So uh, we're going to look at that first here, and then we'll talk about how we can apply that inside of uh how we can apply that inside of uh, uh, Power BI. Okay, give me one second here. All righty. And good time. Anybody have any questions, any feedback, any anything in particular that you ever... Uh, want further explanation on good time for you to ask and again i'm always happy to answer whatever questions you might need 
Okay, so in chapter three, what we're talking about here is extending uh, Excel um, with some additional business intelligence tools. And there are a handful of these that are really, really, really kind of helpful for you to know, okay? Uh, the first one is gonna be Power Query. We're gonna probably spend the next 45 minutes on this. This will take us up to lunch. Um, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Power Pivot as well. Uh, there are two additional tools down here. I'm only gonna mention, there's really no point really exploring these things, uh, which is 3D Maps and Power View. Uh, these tools were added to Microsoft Excel, I'm going to say probably at 2010, somewhere in that range. There's really no point in using them anymore. Um, really, you know, you should be doing all of your business intelligence uh, reporting either, especially if you're going to be doing mapping or any sort of dashboards, you should be doing those inside of Power BI. It's so much more effective than Power BI. But these two tools, 100% applicable and 100% um, shared both between Power BI and inside of uh, Excel as well, okay? Now, what do these tools do? Well, ultimately what we're trying to get you into is, um, what we're trying to get you into is this approach with repeatable, refreshable reports uh, where we can extract the data, clean up the data, load the data in fairly automatic into the reporting tools, whether they be Excel or Power BI, and then create some like automatic nature for your reports to kind of go through. Okay. And so um, we use this tool called Power Query. And then we use another tool called Power Pivot, which is a data modeling tool, even though it says pivot, it actually has nothing to do with pivot tables. It's about managing data models. Uh, and, and this allows us to be able to kind of allow Excel or allow our Power BI to be able to relate databases or, you know, uh, cloud-based stuff together to ultimately create reports. Uh, but these two tools are super, super powerful with respect to what they do. And the foundation of this has been poured over many, 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 many years, okay? Uh, it started way back in 2007. This is when Excel added that table capability. And this isn't a tables course, although I could talk about tables for hours. And if uh, that table capability is interesting, I'm going to encourage you to check out the podcast because I've done several episodes on where tables can be really helpful and effective. And, um, but what you should know about like when Microsoft added a tables in 2007, really kind of allowed Excel to start operating kind of like a mini database where we started to see some of the database capabilities uh, being implemented inside of Excel. And so tables are a great way to get started with learning how to use Excel uh, within databases because they act and feel and have many of the characteristics of a database without being as rigid and having as steep of a learning curve as you would see with um, other Excel inside of, uh, in, inside of when you actually use a real, real database. Then in Excel 2013, they brought in the data modeling capabilities, okay, where you could take those different tables and map relationships between them to allow them to be able to communicate with each other, and then being able to create like a pivot table from multiple worksheets simultaneously. This data modeling uh, allowed also for larger and larger data sets to be able to be manipulated and used inside of Excel. And what you need to know about the data model is that it ultimately will be fed into other things. So it will be fed into Power Pivot and then used for large pivot table reports. So get fed into Power BI for dashboard reports. If you wanna check out these legacy tools, which is Power View and Power Maps, same thing. It can be fed into those things. Now, Power Pivot, that was added to Excel in 2017. And Power Pivot extends the existing pivot table functionality by allowing you to work with the data model. So it allows you to uh, bring in multiple data sources simultaneously. It allows you to bring in large data sources. So uh, traditional limitations of Excel are about a million rows and 16,000 columns, which is perfectly fine for 99% of um, data analysis. But as we start to do business intelligence, we could be working off of potentially millions of records and for our largest of businesses, even billions of records potentially. So existing pivot tables would not work. Uh, that's where Power Pivot comes in. 
it allows us to bring in these multiple data sources and then also be able to manipulate and support uh, large quantities of data. It also brings in DAX, Data Analysis Expressions, which is a formula language for modifying and manipulating um, large quantities of data in the data model. Okay, do you need Excel's BI tools? Fair question to ask. Okay, if you nearly need to summarize large volumes of data, you can do so by building a pivot table. And by large quantities of data, hundreds of thousands of rows, that's fine. Okay, um, you're totally cool. You can just use this. But if you're looking to do bigger quantities of data, you're going to need something more powerful. Okay, if the data that you're needing to summarize resides in two or more tables, you need to be using Excel 2013 or newer. You can then build in the pivot table data modeling, which is what I showed you earlier, where you can bring in the data as simple spreadsheets, relate them together through relationships, and you're off to the races and it'll work just fine. Okay. If the data you need to summarize in pivot tables resides in multiple databases outside of Excel, um, and you have to use Excel 2010 or newer, you can use that power pivot to create that data model and then query and bring everything together. And then once you've built that data model, then you can use a normal pivot table to be able to, to report upon that data, okay? And so that is where and why you might wanna use some of Excel's BI tools. It's really, I wanna work with large quantities of data, that data lives outside of Excel, and uh, I wanna be able to bring it together inside of Excel, create some reports from it, learn from that data, and then ultimately uh, report upon that data. Now, the absolute coolest tool that you should be using is Power Query. And that's what we're going to talk about next here. Power Query allows us to bring in data from virtually any data source. And uh, it does three things, okay? Extracts, it transforms, and it loads, okay? Uh, Power Query allows us to bring in data from static assets, including things like CSV files, Excel files, other tables, and more. Okay, It allows us to bring in data from dynamic sources, including websites, databases, including SQL Server, um, MySQL, and others as well. You can bring in data from the web. You can bring in data from PDF files and more. Uh, and so it could extract that data. Okay. It can transform that data. Rarely the data that we ultimately bring into our workbooks is ready to ready to work with. Often it needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be manipulated. It needs stuff extended to it. It needs stuff modified to it for it to be able to work and be effective. Okay. Well, with Power Query, we can transform it. We can do all different types of data transformation to get this working correct and well for us. And I'm gonna show you how to do this both inside of Excel as well as in Power BI as well. And this allows us to pull down data from databases and then remove unnecessary columns. We can create uh, and parse and split our data if it's not correct or accurate. Um, we can relate our data from multiple different sources and then ultimately create a new data source that combines data from two different places as needed. We can pull in data from whole folders of information and more. We can write custom queries. We can use ODBC, open database connectivity, and more. Now, inside of Excel, we use Power Pivot. Power Pivot is a data modeling technology. Uh, with Power Pivot, we can work with large quantities of data. We can create relationships, simple calculation, complex calculations, and more. Um, it's a tool that we can use to be able to analyze and manipulate and really kind of between power pivot and power query, we can do just about everything that we might need. Okay. And what can you do with power query? Okay. Well, here's some just simple examples of things that you might want to consider utilizing. Okay. We can import directly from really anywhere, databases, spreadsheets, websites, and more straight into Excel. Um, any data source that you can think of. And for those of us who are attending live today, think of some data sources in your business, chat them over to me. Let's maybe take a look and see some of the cool things that we can do with this tool. You can bring those in, okay? You can import a whole folder of information. Let's say, for example, end of year rolls around, you haven't done your banking um, and your bank reconciliation, and you want to be able to take a year's worth of bank statements and combine them into a single pivot table and then use that as part of your bank account reconciliation. Okay. 
not a problem. You go to your bank, you download 12 CSV files, 12 Excel files. You can combine them all into a single workbook inside of uh, Power Query, and it'll combine them all for you. It'll figure out all the necessary ways of making those work and will automatically combine those things together. Additionally, next month rolls around, January. All you have to do is download the next month's uh, bank statement, add it to that folder, and it'll include that one as well. You can clean, format, organize your data from its source after being imported inside of Excel, okay? Um, you can, for example, combine this data into virtually anything. Um, you could split, you can parse, you can format, you can rearrange, you can do whatever you might need to do to get that data useful and effective for you to be able to report upon and work. Uh, and once more, it will actually remember the different steps that you did and then in future periods, once it knows how you connected and calculated that data and cleaned up that data, it will return that data in the exact same format. So you teach Excel what to do and it'll continue that work for you. You can create new columns from your data. Let's say, for example, anybody here have like a GL number and that GL number, for example, includes like the business code, the department code, and then maybe like the actual um chart of account number, you know, and you would really like it to be maybe three different columns, one for the business unit, one for the department, and then one for the GL code. And so you can treat them as three separate columns and three separate numbers. Power Query can do that for you. You could resort, you could reorder, you could change the data type, you could change something from being date time to date, you could separate out just the time you could do and filter your data to whatever kind of level of specificity you might need. You could take data that's summarized in a pivot table and unpivot it. Even if you don't have access to the underlying data itself, you can group your data. You could split it, combine it, literally kind of any type of transformation you might want to do, you can do in here. And this tool is 100% the same between Excel and Power BI. The tool itself, we're going to take a look at here in a minute. Pretty simple, pretty easy to be able to work with. Uh, there's a ribbon, there's the queries section, there's the query settings, and that's about it. Uh, most of the time you're working uh, and generating and, you know, kind of previewing your data as you're working through it. And the big takeaway here is that as you start to work with your data over here under your query section on the far right, it's remembering every step that you've done. And then we'll run through those actions again. And you have a whole palette of different tools that you can choose to modify this with. Okay, so you can, for example, transpose and reverse your data. So flip the orientation of this. You can change the data type. You can split your data. You could format it. You can change how the numbers are calculated, how the dates are displayed. Uh, you can even run more complex things, including things such as Python scripts and R scripts. Okay. You can uh, refresh the data, you can preview the data, you can remove columns from the data, you can add rows, you can remove rows, uh, and more. You can append queries, you can merge queries. There's even tools from Microsoft's Azure uh, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence uh, tools where you can do analytics on the text, computer vision on the text, and more. It's really an incredible tool to consider using, and uh, it's a tool that I consistently reach for time and time again, um, and then to the point that it is probably my favorite uh, tool to possibly use. All righty. So let's go ahead and take a look at what we can use this incredible tool for, and uh, if you're interested, i dropped a file in the chat. Um, this is going to be the file that we're going to use just to kind of give you some summary uh, view of how you might want to le leverage this tool. So if you want to check that out, that's available for you. And what the heck, why don't we just have another polling question? Okay, so we're here inside of Excel. And first I want to show you where Power Query lives, and then we're going to do a couple of demonstrations of what you can use this incredible tool for, okay? Now over here under the data section and on the left-hand side, you're going to see this get and transform. We already took a look at this, the first section here today, um, and we brought in data using Microsoft Access. And forever, this is kind of the extent of what Power Query could do. You could just point it at an Excel file, point it at an Access database, and that was about it. 
Okay, that's not really the extent of what Power Query can do. Uh, I'm going to show you some pretty cool stuff, but you've already kind of seen this in terms of what we can map map this in, and how we can bring in data in this case from a database. Now, also from this left hand screen here under Get and Transform under from file, this is gonna be where we can grab stuff from static resources and static just being not in a database. So we could pull in data from Excel, CSV files, text files, tab files, really kind of any structured spreadsheet, um, we can go ahead and we can pull that data in. We could pull in data from web technologies. Um, we have XML files and JSON files. Uh, XML, extendable markup language. JSON is JavaScript object notation. As we start to want to incorporate things, for example, from um, dynamic web sources from the web, uh, those are two technologies that we'll use quite often. We can pull in data from PDFs. We can pull in data from folders. Uh, PDFs, just to set expectations correctly, if you are like writing physical stuff on a piece of paper and then taking a picture of it, it's not gonna work. But you know, if you're downloading an invoice from your vendor that was always a generated PDF from a system uh, and it's 100% computer generated, you have a pretty good likelihood of being able to extract some information. I will point out, mileage will vary if you set your expectations low, you will not be disappointed. Okay. And you can also pull down data from a whole folder. Um, what's useful with this is that bank statement example I, I was talking about, where you could pull in a whole data worth of folder, a whole folder's worth of data in one click, and it will create a worksheet for you, uh, mapping in all that data directly. We can pull in data from databases. In fact, we're going to use the SQL Server here in Power BI a little bit later on. Okay, but uh, this is where we could start to pull in data from our databases. And all your major databases are gonna be supported. Access, uh, Oracle, IBM, MySQL, Postgres, I tend to work on these two a lot. Okay, we can pull in data from Azure. If you happen to be using Microsoft Cloud Services, uh, you can pull in data from Power BI. Okay, we call these featured tables. Um, and you can go ahead and pull in data from Power BI back into Excel. So uh, you can pull in data there. This is a new thing from Microsoft called the Dataverse. Um, relatively new offering. This is basically like data coming from multiple different sources from the web. And uh, from here, you have to have an organizational account to be able to use this. Um, but they've got this whole new initiative of making data more available to people. And that's through that tool. Uh, you can pull in data from online sources, SharePoint, Microsoft Exchange, which is email, Dynamics 365, which is Microsoft Business Platform, Salesforce as well. And from other sources, other things here, table range. Um, I use this quite often. This is cleaning up data inside of my Excel workbook. From the web, which is going to be our first example here. Okay, and we can also pull in data from ODBC, Open Database Connectivity. So we can pull in data that way as well. Uh, ODBC, it's an ISO um, standard for interoperability of databases. It's never my first choice with respect to working with databases, but I will tell you it's a nice choice uh, because often if uh, I can't get another way of connecting to a database to work, ODBC is you know, almost always supported. So... Uh, there are usually faster, better ways, but if you can't get access to that database, that ODBC is a fabulous way to be able to connect to it. Okay, and I'll talk a little bit more about ODBC a little bit later on here um, in terms of what you might want to do. But that's usually going to answer the question of how do I get access to my corporate data to Power BI? It's going to be through ODBC. Okay, so our first example that we're going to take a look at with Power Query here is going to be pulling down data for foreign currency translation. Let me just ask the audience here, anybody here dealing with foreign currency inside their business? Maybe you have an office in Canada. Uh, anybody here have an office in Mexico? Anybody here, you know, dealing with uh, respect to, you know, kind of um, data around the world? Okay. Well, there's one thing I know for sure with respect to foreign currency. The second that you look at it, um, you know, that, that number is going to change. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a marketplace. I mean, it changes constantly, you know? So let's just say, for example, we wanted to go look up foreign currency price here and we're going to go over here and maybe look up, uh, some FX rates. We go to our favorite web, uh, search tool, probably Google. And what we're going to be looking for is we're going to be looking for a website that has data structured and what is structured data 
it's table data. It's going to data that has a header, data that has rows, data that has columns. Okay. Um, if your data has rows and columns, guess what? You can ingest it into Power BI. And in fact, if we come over here to our rates table, um, this website, x-rates.com, be very careful how you type that in. You might get something very different. Uh, we can go ahead and we can suck down this data directly to Excel. Now, the previous way that we would handle this, and this is going to be analogous to you know, how you would run reports. You go to a system, you find the data you want, you extract the data. And it could be something as simple as copying and pasting this information. If we're smart and we're familiar, maybe we do copy, paste, special as text. Uh, it could be like this, or it could be downloading a report and then pulling that data into Excel. This is the mechanics that we're normally in with respect to report generation, okay? The problem with this is it's static, okay? This data, once it's in here, um, if we want to go get updated information, we got to go back to that source. We got to pull that data down, okay? Think of this as your ERP system, your accounting system, your inventory system, okay? Think of this as you going pulling reports every single time, every single month you want to do reporting, okay? This is the basis of this write once refresh many instead of pulling down information from our reports what we want to tell is excel or power bi where that data is located and so it has to be something accessible now inside of power query and i'm going to do this demonstration twice so no worries here so you can see it multiple times here we need to know how to access this data so if it's data from the web it has to be something we either need to be able to access publicly, or it could even be something that we log into. And I'll show you that secondarily here in a moment, but it has to be a resource that Excel can get. It can't again, be like a, a random piece of paper on your desk. It has to live somewhere in the system. So instead of copying and pasting this data or running a report and downloading the report, which would be the same as you copying and pasting data out of QBO or Sage or running a report in QBO or Sage, what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna tell Power Query to go to this website and to extract this information. So we're gonna come over here to the data tab and we're gonna go ahead and select this option here that says from web. And instead of going to that website, we're gonna tell Power Query to go to that website. We're gonna go ahead and drop that data in here by giving it this URL. And we're gonna go ahead and click okay. Now what Power Query is gonna do is that it's gonna scan that particular website and it's gonna say, hey, cool. Um, let me just go see if there's any data here. And it's gonna scan that site. It's gonna look at that particular website and it's gonna to look to see if there is any information that might be present or available, okay? And uh, over here on the left, we can see that it's highlighted a couple of potential things. Now, the document will rarely be the thing you want. This is going to show you the whole thing and that's not really going to be useful, but it's going to scan through and it's going to attempt to try to find information that might be useful. And if in fact we click down from document to table one here, we'll see that it actually has a whole table of information. And so we can see here, uh, us dollar. Okay. Argentinian peso, Australian dollar, Bahrainian dinar, Botswana Pula, and if we click back over here to X rates, this is actually this table right here. Uh, we can see that it has US dollar, Argentinian peso, Australian dollar, Bahrainian dinar, so on and so forth. And it's actually pulling this whole table of data in. Okay. Now, when we're ready to go, we can go ahead and we can just load this data into Excel if we want, which is what we did the first time when we did Microsoft Access. Uh, but I want to draw your attention actually down here to this load and then also this transform. Okay. For our first demonstration here, what we're going to just simply do here is just click this load button. And in doing so, it's going to take this data and put it directly into Excel. Nine times out of 10, while being a pretty nifty parlor trick, it's not going to be perfect. Okay. Uh, but what we will have accomplished is we will have created a uh, data source that will dynamically have connected Excel to that place on the web. And in fact, it'll open up this little panel here, queries and connections. And we could see that for table one here, it's showing us where this data is coming from. And we'll see that it is in fact coming from data uh, from x-rates.com x and it'll show us this information. The benefit of this is we click refresh and you'll see right there, it actually refreshed a little bit and it will pull down whatever changes are presented. Now, as great as this is, as I mentioned, it's rarely perfect. And I want to get to perfect. Uh, in this particular instance, 
there's a couple things that are kind of weird about this. If you notice the headers aren't right, there's these weird triangles. Let's go ahead and remove these. Okay, and I've also got data I don't want. It's not in the right sequence. The headers aren't correct. You know, the problem is when we don't clean up our data, and this is often what we end up doing inside of Excel when we download data from our accounting system. When we refresh this data, we got to go do those steps over and over again. So if it's data for coming from QuickBooks, it might be removing unnecessary blank rows or changing the order or sequence or creating summary columns. Um, what's kind of cool is we can teach Power Query to be able to do these things, all these summary cleanup steps, and then in subsequent refreshes, it will perform those actions again for us. And if we refresh our data here, okay, it'll go back out to that data source, connect, download that data, run through all of those cleanup steps for us, presenting clean, ready to go data. Now, give me one second. I want to get something ready here because I want to show you something as it relates specifically to this. I'm just going to clear my permissions on this data source because I want to show you something a little bit different. Okay, cool. And let's go do this exact same thing again. Now for this next demonstration, we're going to pull down this data from this website again, but I want to get the headers right. I also don't need all 54 of countries here. We do foreign currency, maybe in five countries, Europe. So maybe the Euro, the British pound, the Canadian dollar, the Mexican peso, and then, you know, whatever other countries we might be working with. Okay. And so this list is actually going to become a lot shorter. The intention of this next demonstration is to illustrate two things, connecting to the data source, and second, performing all the actions necessary to get that data source ready for reporting purposes. So instead of me flipping the orientation and cleaning this data up, I'm teaching Excel how to do this and it will remember those actions going forward. So we're gonna do this exact demonstration again. We'll come over here to the data tab from web. We're gonna drop in our URL and click okay. Now. I didn't show this the first time, mostly because it's stored. Um, I already have my credentials stored inside of here. Excel will remember, Power BI will remember how it connected to something, okay? You got a couple of different options depending on what data source you're working on, okay? So if you were going to do this, you probably popped up and it showed you this screen. And what it's asking you here is like, hey, how do you want to connect to this data source, okay? Now, what I did was I cleared out my credentials. I cleared out how it was connected so I could demonstrate this to you. But if you're connecting to a data source the first time around, it's going to say, cool, in this case, you're trying to go out to the web. How do you want me to connect? You have a couple of different options. You can connect anonymously with your Windows credentials, basic or uh, web API or organizational account. And so we could choose, for example, to anon anonymously log in. If it's just a generic website like this, that there's no login prompt, just go ahead and, and just choose anonymous. It's all you have to do. But you can access stuff that is behind credentialed as well. So you could tell it to log on using your existing Windows credential. You could provide a username and password. If you had an API, you could provide an API key. And you could also provide um, an organizational account. Um, more often than not, you're going to be using basic and anonymous. Okay. I will point out if you log in with this, it does store your credentials. So be very careful with who you share this workbook with because they'll get the credentials of whatever you stored in here as well. Now with Power BI, what's nice about this, if you publish the data source, um, you're good to go. It's it's gonna remember how it connected and when you distribute your work, work um, your dashboards to other people, uh, they'll be able to access this information without also having to access the credentials behind it, okay? For this purposes here though, because we're disconnecting to something on the web, we're going to go ahead and connect anonymously. And we're going to go ahead and click connect. Now, what we're going to go ahead and select here is that exact same table one. But instead of uh, clicking load, we're actually going to pick this other option here that says transform. Okay. And once we hit that transform option, that's where we actually see Power Query pop up. Oops, sorry, I hit the wrong thing there. All right. And once we're inside of Power Query, this is going to be where we can start to do our modifications and manipulations. 
Okay, something I want to get you in the habit of every time you load something inside of Power Query, I want to get you in the habit of immediately giving it a name. And over here on the right hand side, you'll see two sections, you'll see name and then you'll see applied steps. The name is going to be where you can give it a nice name. So I'm going to call this one FX rates, best practices to make it one word. And you'll notice when I update here, it also updates the query side. You could double click it, name and update it here as well. Okay, and the next thing I wanna draw your attention to on the query apply query settings applied steps is this applied steps section. Every time I make a change to my data, it's gonna remember what I did and it is going to write a step. So it's watching you as you're starting to work and as you start to manipulate and modify that data, it's gonna apply those exact same steps to your data, okay? And, um, I've got power queries that I've set up here that have like 50 steps, you know, because that's how complicated the actions are. The good news is when I refresh my data, it starts back up here and will run through these steps uh, sequentially and will get you exactly to the data that you need in exactly the format that you need to see it in. Okay, so it's really effective um, and you do your data uh, clean up once and it will remember exactly what steps you've done and do those appropriately. Okay, so from here, um, we're gonna start to do some modifications to this. And the way that we're gonna modify from the ribbon, you'll see basically your palette of tools of things that you can do inside of to clean this data up. And so from the home ribbon, these are the most commonly used ones. Uh, this is gonna be where, for example, we can add or remove columns, add or remove rows. We can change the sequence, the order that information is presented. We can split and parse and clean up data. So if we need to split a column, we can. If we need to remove unnecessary spaces, we can. We can replace values as well. Okay, we can parameterize as well as adjust our data connection settings. Uh, from here, we, for example, can come in here and we can adjust our login credentials if we needed to. Uh, we can also set up, and this is more of an advanced topic, we can set up parameters. Uh, I use this exact approach every single uh, day to pull down payroll time and billing information from my company and I pull down our time clock entries and I, I have parameters in here for like a start date and an end date and it allows me to pull down just the data I wanna look at and by selecting uh, our parameters here. More of an advanced topic, but I just wanted to make you aware that they were here. Under our transform, we have more options for transforming our data. From here, for example, we can group our data. We can use the first row as headers. If we didn't have header information or didn't pick up the headers, we can pick it up that way. We can transpose our data. We can reverse our data. We can count our data. Uh, we can manage the columns so we can pivot or unpivot and more. We can also add new columns to our data too. So if we wanted to create a new compound column that pulled in data from a couple of different sources and created a new uh, database key as an example, or we wanted to be able to create a new calculation based off of the data present, like sales tax, imputing sales tax, we could do so with this as well. So lots of options with respect to being able to clean up and manage our data effectively using this tool. So for our purposes here, let's go ahead and do a couple of manipulations. First and foremost, I don't need all 50 plus of these states and countries. We're going to go ahead and just limit this down. And so normal filtering, we're going to go ahead and unselect our select all here. And we're going to just select the couple of countries uh, that we ultimately end up doing with. So the British pound, the euro, uh, we got to pick the New Zealand dollar. You know, I used to live in New Zealand, place near and dear to my heart. Uh, let's go ahead and grab the, let's see what else, the Canadian dollar and the Mexican peso. There we go. And we'll go ahead and click OK. OK, so in Power Query's mind, it connected to the data source, pulled in this one table of data, and then now it's just filtered down to the items that we wanted to. If we just closed and load this data to Excel, it would look exactly what you see here. At any step of the process, you can click the applied steps and it'll show you exactly what you could expect to come back to Excel. Now we're gonna do a couple other simple things here. We're gonna change our header from being US dollar. We're gonna go ahead and say uh, FX country. We're gonna go ahead and say that this uh, is in USD. This is going to be in FX. And what I've done is I've gotten my headers to be correct. 
I could actually click, you see where it says ABC 1.2, we could change this. So if I wanted to, as an example here, to show these in currency, I could go do so. Or if I wanted to be able to show these in a whole number, which would be a terrible idea for foreign currency because you need that specificity. But just to illustrate the point, uh, we could go ahead and do so. But uh, we're going to go ahead and remove that step. If we make a mistake, we come on over here to our applied steps. Like I didn't mean to you know, change the uh, number format here. What's nice is that we can click on a particular step and we can get rid of it and it'll bring us right back to where we were. Okay. Okay. Last thing, uh, let's go ahead and put these into descending order. I'm happy with this now. It looks exactly the way we want. So we're going to come back over here to home and we're going to go ahead and select close and load. And it's going to create a new worksheet for us and it'll give us just the data exactly the way that we want it to be. Okay. And if we come over here and we hit refresh, as you can see here, it ran through those steps, but it's exactly the data, exactly the order that we want it to be in perfect every single time. Okay. This works 100% the same between Excel as it does Power BI. And Power Query is going to be a godsend for that write once refresh many or those refreshable reports. Because so much of what you're doing in reporting, the data is not exactly the way it needs to be for this to be able to work effectively. Power Query is going to be able to get you to that point. Okay, we got about 10 minutes left here. Let me show you a, uh, a couple things that you can do with Power Query. And again, 100% useful both in Excel and Power BI. So you could have data. Here's an example of some data that uh, although it's a nice report, not very useful, and you could not use this data, for example, inside of Power BI. The reason being is that it's already summarized and it's in pivot table format. Okay, raw data format for this specific type of data would actually be three columns. It'd be a column for name, a column for period, and a column for the sales amount. Okay, what we want to do here is we want to take this finished report. And this might be our only option. You know, we could have some sort of reporting system that spits out complete reports like this. And even though they're great, not helpful for business intelligence purposes. Okay, we want to make this useful for business intelligence. So what we're going to do here is we're actually going to run this through Power Query to clean it up. From the data tab, we're going to click over here. We're going to go ahead and select from table range. Okay. Now, if your data is not a table, it's going to prompt you to create a table here. It's going to say, hey, looks like you want me to bring this into Power Query. Let's turn this into a table. And here we're going to go ahead and say A1 to H27. Okay, but it's going to figure out where it starts and stops. And we're going to indicate that we also have headers. Okay, that brings us into Power Query. And from here, we can go ahead and change the name. I want you to get in the habit of that. So we're going to go ahead and call this one Sales. as our example. And what we're going to want to do here is we want to get rid of our total rows and columns. There's actually two. There's a total column to the right and a total row to the bottom. And so we're going to go ahead and select remove bottom rows. And the good news is because total rows are almost always in the bottom, when we tell Excel, hey, I want you to remove the bottom one row, it will go ahead and remove it. And if there are other rows to remove, like maybe a space empty uh, row or column between our totals, we could go ahead and tell it to remove that as well. And so we've removed that bottom row. We can go ahead and highlight this column, hit delete, and we'll remove that column as well. And every time that we make those actions, again, it's applying those steps. The next thing we're going to do here is we actually want to unpivot these columns around our, our company. And so what we're going to do here is highlight the columns that we want to unpivot. We're going to come over here to the transform and we're going to go ahead and select unpivot columns. And you'll notice here, it goes back to that three column layout. We've got a column for company, a column for the, uh, and you see it says attribute and value. A uh, couple things. Okay. First off, notice that for our date column here, it has the name of attribute. Well, I don't want it to be called attribute. I'm going to go ahead and double click this and change that to date. The other thing, notice that it has date as ABC or a string type. I don't want it to be a string. I want to be able to do calculations based off of time. So we're actually going to click that little ABC here and we're going to change this over to time. And when we do so, it now knows to treat this as a date column. And for our value, we're going to go ahead and uh, just tell this to, instead of being called value, we're going to call this sales revenue. Okay. Once we're happy with this, we're going to go ahead and come back over here to our home ribbon, close and load. It's going to create a new worksheet for us. 
and we now have our data in this raw format. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and select insert. We're gonna select pivot table. We're gonna go ahead and create a new pivot table here. We're gonna put our date over here to column and we're gonna put our company down here to rows, our sales revenue over here to values. And yes, we have now created pretty much the identical report that we started with, but the big advantage is, is that it's available in raw data format and we've now created our own pivot table. So if I wanna right click on this and group based off of quarters, not based off of what the other report has, I can do so. And I could not have done that using that existing, uh, using that existing format here. I could not have done that, okay? We could split stuff, okay? Over here, what we have is a listing of address, city, state, postcode, and country. And let's say we want to split this so that we have a separate column for address, city, state, postcode, and country. Now you might, your spidey sense might be going off here. Steve, I can just come over here to the data tab and select text to columns. Yes, you can, okay? And if you were to do this text to columns and separate it based off of column, this would work. Um, the big thing I'm gonna tell you is that you're gonna have to do this every single time with your data set if you use this. If you use Power Query, you can basically clean up this data and then when another address is added later on, you'll be able to uh, include that um, in the scope of your reporting. You won't have to go back and manually run that procedure. Text to columns or any of the things inside of Excel outside of Power Query, you're gonna have to do those every single time. So for here, we're gonna go ahead and select again, data, table range, or gonna indicate our table has header here and we're gonna go ahead and hit okay. And it's gonna bring this into Power Query. And what we're gonna choose here is choose the split column and it's gonna ask us, how do we wanna split? In this case, we're gonna choose by delimiter, but we could also split by position. We could split by number of characters. We get also a couple of other options that are not present in text to columns. Like, for example, when the case of a letter, like upper to lower, lower to upper changes, split on that, or digit to non-digit as well. In our case, we're gonna go ahead and choose by delimiter. It's gonna scan this, it's gonna figure out, I probably mean comma. And we can also continue to split here. We can split at, just the leftmost or just the rightmost. In our particular case here, we're gonna choose at each occurrence of that delimiter. And when we hit okay, it's going to split this now into separate columns. We're gonna come up here, we're gonna adjust our, our titles. So we're gonna go ahead and say this is address. Okay, this is gonna be our city. This is going to be our state. This is gonna be our postcode. This is gonna be our country, like this. And once we're happy, we're gonna go ahead and select close. And this time I'm actually gonna select close and load two. And I'm gonna put this data actually right next to the existing one, because I wanna just illustrate one quick point here. So we'll put this over here in C1. And here is our data now side by side with that other data, okay, separated apart. Now. Let's say your existing raw data system and somebody comes in and there's a new data field. So let's say, uh, you know, it's Steve and he signs up and he lives on 123 Main Street in Big Bear Lake, California. And uh, we're in 92314 and it's the USA. So a new record is added. With Power Query, that right once refresh really can kick in. Okay, all we have to do is refresh that data. It goes back out to that existing raw data and then look, that new data is present. If we delete data, so let's just lob off a couple of, uh, lob off a couple of these rows. So we're gonna go ahead and delete these rows here. When we hit refresh all, it's gonna go ahead and remove those rows as well. Okay, extract, transform, and load. There are lots of things that we can do inside of Power Query, and we're gonna take a look at more of those as we get into our next sections here as we start to look at Microsoft Power BI. All right, let's go ahead and have one more review polling question. And then when we come back uh, from our lunch break here, then we're gonna go ahead and continue to explore uh, some things that we can do with Power Query, and then we're gonna to start to get into utilizing Power BI as well. Well, folks, it has been great so far. Hopefully you're learning a bunch. We're gonna take a 30 minute break here. Uh, and then when we resume back, we are going to uh, pick back up 
um, and kind of explore some more that we can do inside of Power BI. So please stick with me. If you have any questions on anything that we've covered up to this point, feel free to throw them over into that chat section and I'd be more than happy to address them. All right, folks, thank you so much. And I will see you back here in a little bit. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.